Well, good morning. Welcome to everyone here from the Ag Market Network. Uh, welcome to our monthly cotton market uh, roundtable, our discussion. This is June the 12th. Uh, we thank you for joining us. We also want to thank our panel for being with us today. We're being led today by Gerald Nieper, and joining him will be Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Dr. John Robinson, and Kip Butts. Uh, Gerald, thanks for coming on and clearing up uh, the, the cotton mystery for us. <laughs> well, I don't know what, what the big mystery was because, and, and certainly USDA didn't uh, didn't give us any clues to solving the mystery. But uh, they did make some changes yesterday. They weren't uh, earth shattering. I think we've said that every month. It seems like for the last you know six months, uh, you know, for 2018-19, they raised world production by 435,000 bales, and they lowered world consumption by 400,000 bales. Um, the uh, you know India they they increased production 500,000 bales. Not sure why exactly. I, I know the attaché was probably not as negative on production as uh, as the rest of the Indian uh, industry and and uh, it, um, the ag attaché really has uh, the production at 26.5. Uh, and his reasoning is that um, you know his anecdotal evidence is that. Uh, Growers are holding on to seed cotton in, in uh, hopes of higher prices. And I'm thinking, what, now, wait a second. I think the in, in, Indian local prices are probably some of the highest in the world. I'm not sure how much more they think they're going to get out of that. So, uh, But anyway, um, so USDA, uh, you know, struck a balance there and went up a, a half a million bales to, uh, to, five, to 26 million. Ethiopia, uh they're not a big producer in any stretch of the imagination, but they were raised 68,000 bales, um, which is a fairly high percentage for them um, since they were under 200,000 bales below. And to go up to 243, that was a fairly high percentage increase. In Australia, they took down 100,000 bales this year. Of course, Australia is suffering from a, from a horrible drought and uh, um, doesn't, doesn't look like uh, they're going to make what they thought they would make. On the consumption side, they took China down 500,000 bales, and you know, with with the uh, with the tariff situation over U.S. and Chinese tariff situation, trade war, if you will, you know, there's plenty of uh, uh, discussion out there. It seems like of, of people trying to move supply chains and and yarn prices are crummy, and you know, just all kinds of, of news. This may not be the last reduction in, in uh, uh, consumption that we see for China, but for now, USDA took it down 100,000 bales. Indonesia, they took down 100,000 bales, but they did raise Turkey and Vietnam 100,000 bales each. For 2019, uh, not much there. They lowered world production by 137,000 bales, and they lowered world consumption by 660,000 bales. And I think that's about it. When you look at the numbers, world production being estimated at 125,317,000 bales and world consumption at 125,268,000 bales, um, I would guess that world production and consumption is, is in balance. <laughs> the, uh, uh, Australia, they took down 300,000 bales to 1.9 million, and uh, I've, I've seen discussions where you know, the Australian production number could actually be 
even a million bales below that because of the drought situation. Argentina, they reduced by 130,000 bales. They increased uh, uh, production in, in the uh, Central Asian states by, uh, well, Uzbek was up 125,000, Azerbaijan 70,000, Turkmenistan 50,000, and uh, Ethiopia up 50,000. On the Chinese side, uh, or on the consumption side, they took 2019 Chinese consumption down by half a million bales to 41 million. Again, that's probably likely to be adjusted downward as we move through the season. Vietnam, they reduced by 100,000, and, and Bangladesh by 100,000. Um, and I'm not sure of the, of the reasoning there other than, uh, um, you know, you would expect as you start reducing this Chinese consumption because people are moving supply chains um, that other countries would benefit. And I would think that both Bangladesh in Vietnam would be two beneficiaries of that. Now, it could be that uh, you know, USDA is looking at reducing consumption because of maybe kind of a general slowdown in, in world economic activity, but uh, don't, I'm not sure what they were saying in Vietnam and, and Bangladesh to really take those numbers down from, from last month, especially only 100,000 bales. So, you know, not much happening in, in the cotton market as far as numbers are concerned. And, uh, you know, that's what's being reflected in, in, the, uh, in, in the activity of our market. It's just sitting here. You can't get any momentum to move up or down right now, although it seems like it's a little easier for this thing to slide lower than it is to, uh, to move higher with any conviction. Um, you know, I think for the very short term here, you know, is it a month? Is it two months? Um, it, I think we're just going to be stuck somewhere between 65 and 68 cents a pound. And, uh, but to even think about getting above 68 cents, you know, we've got to get December back up, up above 67 cents. It, uh, you know, runs into 67 cents the last two or three days here and just kind of hits a wall and comes back down. But uh, um, it's, uh, it, it's struggling a little bit, although I think, I think we've got a rally in, in the works here. And <laughs> what's a rally? You know, to 68 cents, um, so, which is not much of a rally to, to speak of right now. But, uh, you know, with the crop conditions, um, we were talking before, the, uh, before we started recording, got a very, very mixed bag out there with, uh, with the U.S. crop. I don't think in, in any way, shape, or form do we have a 22 million bale crop uh, number made, uh, particularly with the, the, the northern panhandle of Texas, um, those acres being uh, um, wiped out, probably not replanted. I mean, not everything is a disaster, but there is a lot of problems up there in, in the northern, northern plains of Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, um, and uh, the far west here, we've got some extreme heat right now. I think people have got plenty of water, but uh, I know in the southern San Joaquin Valley, uh, the, the ligus is, is moving in, uh, in in a big way. Guys are already put on two or three sprays of, of ligus, uh, four ligus, and uh, so you know it's it's uh, it's a struggle all over. I think um, I'm sure there's a Garden of Eden down in Mississippi. Would you say, oh wait? greenhouse 
<laughs> but I do think that there are areas that are doing quite well, but it seems like that there are more problem areas than there are, you know, really great areas to, to, to speak of. So um, I think the uh, I think what's going to get everybody's attention is the planning numbers at the end of June. Um, and it, gosh, who who knows what those numbers may be? So, Pat, that would be all I'd have to say for right now. If anybody's got any questions or commentary, I'd love, love to uh, to hear it. All right, let's open it up for everybody. Um, I, I'll ask before we leave the subject of new crop world numbers. Um, I know they left India the same Indian production at twenty eight point five, but. You know, just anecdotally and in the press, I've been hearing some pretty awful things about how dry it was here before the onset of of the monsoon. And I don't I don't have any any more any closer information or contacts than than that. Does anybody, uh, Gerald or Kip or um, Oa, have you heard anything specific about the situation in in India? Just getting stuff planted and getting started. Well, no, no, one, no, I haven't on here. For one thing, it's been very, very hot uh, in in the cotton areas and dry. I think uh, I think spring moisture, whatever little rains that they do get during the springtime, they you know this is like the second driest spring I think all across India since 1956 or some strange number like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's been very dry. The monsoon is a week or so late. Um, they uh, they think it's going to be about uh, about a normal monsoon, but you know what's normal over there is is anybody's guess. Um, they kind of rate you know a monsoon season. They try to predict that the monsoon I, I think is going to be somewhere between 96 and 104 percent of of normal. Uh, last year it was around 90 percent of quote-unquote normal, and uh, we saw what happened to the yields last year, and you know, a lot of weather forecasters are thinking that's probably going to be very similar to last year. So you combine a poor monsoon last year with a very dry spring, and uh, John, you're right, you have to wonder about that 28.5 million bale production number in, in India. Mm. One more thing I'll mention about India while we're, while we're on the topic is... Uh, the last year, well, ongoing, the last four years has been this debate of uh, GMO seeds and how that's going to be handled. Uh, they have actually made several of the GMO varieties, quote, illegal to plant in the country. Uh, there's a protest going on now in Maharashtra where a group of farmers has just decided we're going to plant this illegal seed because we know that the seed you're providing us is going to be some subpar for yields. So... That is a wild card that uh, uh, Gerald's made a statement a couple of times as anybody's guess, but that's one that can impact the yield uh, regardless of whether we get a, a, a good monsoon or not. Uh, I would bring up that uh, it's not unusual for it to be extremely hot, to Gerald's point. This is really hot by historic terms. But uh, when the monsoon comes in, which it did finally, it is, even though it was a week or so late, in relative terms, that does not necessarily mean it's going to be a bad monsoon or that it won't be good for cotton. But I, I would add uh, and agree with these with 
the folks that spoke already, India is a really always a wild card, but more so this year because there are several variables that we we don't see every year. I think that could impact it, the yields, uh, the production, and most of it that I see right now is not positive. Okay. Um. Let me bring up a subject here that's not been discussed much, and maybe we won't have a lot of comments, but anybody got any understanding or would like to kind of take on the, the latest on these government payments that we were told about, I guess, since our last broadcast? I think there's a lot of confusion about that, and, and I just wonder if anybody had anything to say about it. Uh, my understanding, I, you know, I don't know so much, some, some other person may speak, but I think purposely both USPA and the, the, the cotton leadership are being extremely quiet about it, uh, purposely just to not draw any attention to it. And I think that's the bottom line. Yeah, I was going to say, and I'll qualify this as these are in much imperfect knowledge here about this process, but my, my understanding is that to get the latest payment, one has to plant something so there might be some influence on on planting behavior and even balance sheets of of soybeans or, or cotton or whatever uh, for people you know planting going ahead and putting something in the ground whereas they might have otherwise taken prevented planting. There's yesterday there was comments made about the um, although. There's nothing certain. They did say they were looking at the possibility of doing something with a cover crop uh, on uh, for prevented planting because of the circumstances, particularly uh, some of these areas, corn being primarily the, the one impacted the most, uh, that they may come up with some sort of a minimal system. But it's being looked at. They haven't made any statements other than we're, we're, we're thinking about it. That's the latest I've heard on this, but I, I agree with John. You're supposed to the only the crop that's planted is going to be impacted by the uh, payment, and this is an interesting year for that to be the case. Well, and I um, I think that might come out to the benefit of a whole lot more sorghum getting planted um, in our world, and maybe also in Kansas and Oklahoma. Um, Sorghum might pencil out well under those circumstances, and sorghum's about the only thing you have time to to try to make at this point. Right. You know, I, I know that they said that they didn't want to unduly influence, you know, planning decisions based on these payments. Um, and if that was the case, they should have waited to make the announcement that they were even going to do this market facilitation program um, until they had all the all the everything that they could, uh, uh, you know, could lay out in front of the growers, you know, af after everything did get planted. I mean, it would have made more sense to, uh, to you know, release some numbers now or, you know, maybe the 1st of July. Well, there, there's 20 presidential candidates in Iowa right now. <laughs> I think that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> what happened to the other three? <laughs> uh, I lost one. Wait, you all to talk about cotton and supply demand prices. 
Well, I'll chime start in on talking about I don't think we should be the least bit surprised USDA did not change the uh, production aspect for, you, for, for the U.S. It's far too early. And, for example, I can recall walking through a Mississippi crop on July the 4th, and I think the year was 91. I forget exactly. And I remember saying this, we're not going to make anything. Turns out, uh, to date, that turned out to be a record crop. Uh, so, again, there's so much time left that uh, even even some of these, spot, or these spotty places all over the world, uh, West Texas, Mississippi, uh, India, uh, give us water here in a few days or give us good cotton weather, and we're back on track totally. That's that's. I'll just echo that. You know, if if I was a speculator with a with a billion dollars in my pocket, or or if I was a USDA analyst, either one, I wouldn't really want to go out on a limb. Um, it, it's this kind of a situation. It's just it's it's more variable than normal. It's not like a drought. You know, when we have an early drought and it's dry early, you know, you can start to write things off and scale things down. But here, you know, I don't. Frankly, on what gets planted, I don't know that we're not going to have record production. It's just it's just so strange with all the the effect of the moisture is, you know, there's different effects from the moisture, and it just adds to the uncertainty. From a price standpoint, that'll leave some premium, I suppose, in this market until, you know, until at least August. Yeah, and I, you know, it's such strange weather. We've talked about that. Now, turn me on to the other day. Talked about the heat they were having. I looked at it. You know, we've got in excess of 100 degrees up and down the west coast, Portland to Seattle, and I think that's supposed to move out of there pretty quick from what I saw. But it's there, and that gives uh, uh, I don't know Gerald, the Tucson, the Lubbock area. John, I don't know what those temps have been, but I know there's a lot of hundreds, hundreds, even I guess it's probably the Tucson area, 111 supposedly. I think today coming in, but uh, those are going to move out, but I think they're supposed to still hover uh, over the Lubbock area. Not, not that high, but, uh, but but quite high. Well, there's, there's been more talk about cool fronts and, and 50-degree weather than there has uh, yeah. extreme heat. Well, uh, we want to get into the part of our program where we talk about prices and what might happen. And also remember, we have a lot of farmers listening, and they want to know what I, any ideas that we might have to help them as far as marketing goes. I, I think next month uh, we'll try to have on, we'll try to have someone join us that can kind of talk about crop conditions uh, with a little bit more de- detail in, in Texas uh, because of what's going on right now. Next week, next month being a, a, an important a month, we'll be able to talk about the acreage numbers that come out at the end of this month, but also uh, what's going on with the crop. And then on the 26th of June, uh, July, I'm sorry, we'll do our annual cotton market roundtable from the New York Stock Exchange in New York. That's our big program. And that's sort of what we've known, been known for for the last 18 or 19 years. And so it, the next month will be an important month for us. Uh, and we want to be able to pay a lot of attention to Texas. So much has changed over the years out there. Uh, seed technology has, met, has changed the landscape of cotton production in this country. And, uh, you know, we can thank, we can thank Fibermax, we can thank uh, and Stoneville Seed for that. And so we'll, uh, we'll make sure to address that next month. 
Uh, let's go ahead and kind of go around and talk a little bit about these markets with special emphasis on farmers out there that don't know exactly what they might want to do on a rally, and we want to be able to help them with that. Uh, start off with Kip. Give us your thoughts on the market on December cotton, Kip, where it can go, and, and any other ideas. Well, given all the variability that we've all talked about already this morning, uh, trying to decide where it's going to go is a, a pretty much a mystery. You started this off by Gerald was going to solve it for us, but I'm not sure. No disrespect, Gerald, but I don't think you did. Not entirely, anyway. Um, I, I think we're in a situation. I think we're in a situation where uh, where prices could go way up or way down. And to John's point, I don't think I've seen a a a crop year with this much sort of uncertainty right off the get go. Um, but in the short term, I think we're going to see prices go uh, stay in about a 64 to 70 cent range, primarily because it's very hard to get strong conviction one way or the other because there's so much uncertainty. Um, to the point that Owen made earlier, I think was spot on. It's so it's so early that we could have a huge crop this year if everything goes right. On the other hand. Uh, Gerald made some points, uh, and so did um, did John about the problem situation in Texas. Well, we may not get all that. So I think that farmers right now should be essentially sitting on their hands and recognizing that there's a lot of uncertainty here. I think uh, I think the market's just going to range straight until we can uh, get a planning number. Then maybe some uh, conviction can come in. But uh, I think farmers should be looking and watching this market closely. We get this thing. Options should be used this year because of the uncertainty. This either end is just open-ended in my mind. So that may have sounded like someone who doesn't have a lot of conviction in price. I don't. I think it can go uh, maybe a long way either direction. The short term, though, I think trading in range from about 64 to 70 cents is, uh, is, is the way to think about this market. John? So I think uh, in my mind what's what's been happening is taking the edge off uh, my big crop wheat prices sort of scenario which that, that's been the that's been what the basis of my sermons since this you know since traveling around this year is watch out for you know big crop possibilities and lower prices this this kind of takes the edge off of that so I, you know, 64, I, I can, I can agree with that. You know, assuming a big crop still does work out, we could, we could weaken. It, that might not happen till midsummer. You know, even the, even the acreage report, I'm going to have to discount a little bit because you're in a numerator or you're doing that survey right now. How do you really know? I mean, it's so much late planted stuff is happening. So I think we got more uncertainty for longer. And that's gonna that's gonna affect this market all the way through into the summer. On the high side, like I say, I'm thinking it takes the edge off the low price scenario. I, I, yeah, we could recover. We could have a, you know, we could have a few hundred thousand acres fewer than 13.8 and come out with a shorter crop than we imagined, and that could all get reported in the next month or so. Um, I see that. I don't see that taking us over 75. Um, because there's still uncertainty beyond that, so with what gets harvested, so I'm going to say 64 to about 70, 
73 at the most optimistic. <clears throat> okay. Uh, away? Well, they did a great job. I certainly won't disagree with it. I think our low-price scenario has come about because we expected this big U.S. crop. Uh, we expected improvement in uh, in India for 2019. Uh, we expected general increases uh, across the board simply because it, when planning decisions were initially being made, we had higher prices. Uh, and 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 we have some carryover out there. Apparently, the, the Chinese crop is still is still online or is coming in line to be decent. Uh, we talked about, uh, of course, Brazil looking at a record at, a, at, a, at phenomenal years of bumper crop and getting ready to harvest that. Uh, so uh, the only the only short, not the only literally, but the only big crop that was expected to be short was Australia. And I think Terry went through that as well with USDA lowering it only just a little bit. But most people do anticipate that crop will be significantly lowered below the USDA standard at the present time. Uh, so, you know, we, we and then we talked about the, the with such variability in crop conditions. So, again, if this if this thing turns around within the next thirty days, uh, or even less than that, uh, I, I think with this huge crop does come forth and. A little bit concerned about uh, demand overseas. Uh, I, 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 it's difficult to disagree. I think seventy cents is too high. Sixty-eight cents or so is the top of the line, and uh, yes, uh, sixty-four, sixty-three in that area. My concern is if we fall below sixty-three, we're all we're going to be in the very high fifties. So I, I, I think we've got a, a definitely a bearish overtone to the market, but. Uh, I think I talked to Gerald earlier this week. I, there's just not a lot of folks out there to sell the market anymore. Oh, Gerald, kind of go over again what your thoughts were on prices. The <clears throat> I was just looking and, and uh, I didn't realize, uh, you know, we had a high of eighty four fifty in the December contract on, on June thirteenth. Uh, 2018. Um, we've had our low, 84.7 or 64.70, uh, almost exactly, you know, 20 cents um, June 10th and June 11th of, of this year. So, you know, it, there's a lot of people make a big deal out of these anniversary sort of things. You know, you had a high a year ago and a low this year. Are we, are we ready to rally now a little bit? Um, I think we are. I, I just don't think it's going to go very far. Um, there's nobody really here to sell this market. You know, growers aren't willing to sell. I mean, at some point they may, you know, they may have to give it up on, on whatever cotton they're holding this year. Um, but uh, as far as next year is concerned, I think, uh, I think with, if they haven't sold already because of, for whatever reason, you know, some growers don't like to sell until they get seed in the grounds. Some guys don't like to uh, to sell until they've got a stand up. Um, you know, uh, and and that's all understandable. But uh, you know, right here, why would they want to sell right here? Uh, there, there's no reason to have to sell right here. So there's just just not a lot of 
commercial, you know, trade pressure on the market at, at this point in time. And, uh, you know, I think the speculators have done what they're going to do in old crop. Um, I think that they are slowly but surely building up a short position in new crop. Uh, but I don't think that they're terribly aggressive about it right now since, you know, it seems like they're the only people who are playing in the short side right now. Um, so I do think we're ready for a rally. But, uh, you know, 68, possibly 69 cents uh, until we get more information from, until we get more fundamental information, you know. How, how many acres get planted uh, or have gotten planted? Are we going to see some cancellations on the export sales? I mean, it's just it's amazing right now that, you know, we there have only been two years where we've had more export sales commitments um, than this year, and yet there have been, I think there are six years where we've had more shipments um, than this year. So, you know, does that mean that we're going to see we're going to either see a large carryover on sales commitments or, or B, you know, we're going to actually start seeing some, some, uh, some cancellations. Um, I, I, I think, you know, we'll see some cancellations out of China. I don't think that they'll be huge, but, yeah, I think that those, those will start showing up probably at some point in time. But uh, I think we're going to continue to see pretty decent sales out there to uh, – to other countries, and so um, I'm not ready to give up the ghost on the uh, on the export sales numbers right now. <clears throat> um, the uh, e even with the poor shipments, we still have time to, to make those up. <clears throat> so a lot of good things, I think, from a fundamental standpoint, can happen here in a sh in the short term uh, to get us maybe back up into the uh, 68, 69 cent area. Um, I think getting over 70 cents is uh, uh, would be a Herculean task. Um, so un unless uh, unless we just have a big crop disaster that is realized uh, anytime soon. So, you know, 6470 to, let's call it 6870 <laughs> for the uh, probably the next uh, two to three months. And then after that, uh, we'll see how things shake out in the rest of the world. All right. Any other Gerald comments? Make a comment. Gerald made a comment. Made it uh, made me think of something else. That uh, the, the, the specs, uh, certainly the funds, the loan if they can, they try to be with their all, all the long funds. But uh, I think that all the all the speculative money is going into the equity, going into the stock market. Uh, there's so much buzz about the economy. There's so much buzz about. Uh, Stocks. I, I think that's where the money is going, which means, conversely, that there's not a lot left for, for commodities. And I think as soon as money frees up, so to speak, and starts looking closer at commodities, uh, I, I do get concerned that we're going to see some, uh, some of that spec money going short, that net short. So I, I, they're not driving the market now, but I get concerned that they're, if they come in and drive the market, that's where I get concerned about on the bearish side that that money comes in and pushes the market lower. But at the same time, we've still got to watch and see what, what's going on with these crops. I, I philosophically, I, I, I do want to make one comment and disagree with my great friend Gerald. I agree with him, but, uh, do, but disagree that growers don't want to surprise right now. 
rollers didn't want a price when it was 83 cents, 82 cents, 80 cents because they hadn't bought the seed yet. Uh, that's, uh, that's prehistoric, if I can use that word. Growers are going to have to learn that they have to take the price when they can get it. It's not when they have a bale of cotton in the warehouse can they, can they sell the seed. If, if they're going to stay in business, uh, they're going to have to do that. Otherwise, coming down the road, somebody else is going to be farming that land. They've got to learn to take a profit uh, and, and not risk everything just because they want a higher price that might, may or may not come tomorrow. And to say that, uh, you know, we don't want to do any price fix fixations because we had not thought to see it yet. It's not the current crop that's in the ground or is already up is, uh, is, 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 is a problem that uh, uh, too many farmers face, and it's a problem that uh, causes them to 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 to, to ask for help when, uh, when, when, when markets go south. This market has been far north, and growers sat around and let it go south. Okay. Any other comments? All right, let's wrap also. up. <laughs> let's, uh, Let's go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks for our speakers. Thanks for Gerald for leading us and to our listeners for joining us. And that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Pat. Thank you.